dedicated by Chaya Bracha Feldman, and this is in honor of her father's fifth yard site, which was today, on the 22nd day of, of Tammuz. His name is Asher Lemel Ben Chaim. May his neshama have a great, great, great aliyah. May channel lots of brachas to you, to your family, to everyone in your family, to all that they need and all that they want. God of Mamash, you should be reunited over here in this world as all neshamas are very, very, very shortly going to return down here. So may this be a big schuss neshama. Thank you for that dedication. And now... We are about to begin. Hold on, let me just make sure this is not going to interrupt. It sometimes is on. Yeah, it should be on. Yeah, it should be working. It's working. It doesn't have a battery. It like just by connecting to the phone, it's on. Huh? In the in the in the on the um. So do me a favor. The way to know is you go into my YouTube. You can see if you hear my sound. So we'll do a sound check now. Please don't. Um, please uh, bear with me for a moment because we're not. I want to make sure that I'm not not being heard. Okay. So go onto the YouTube, onto the live, Mayan. See if you hear me. Meanwhile, we'll hydrate a little bit and get ready. Yeah, do you hear me? You hear the sound? I'm talking. Put it loud. I'll hear my... Hello, hello, hello. Anybody here? Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, I'm... Thank you. Okay, Baruch Hashem. False alarm. L'chaim. Better safe than sorry. There were times that I gave a class for three hours and no one heard the class. I thought it was recorded and no one was here. I gave a class for three hours and I guess it was for the for the spiritual cosmos. Okay. Um, tonight we are going to continue the mimer we began last week. We're going to be learning, this is the Mimer on page 152 in Lakuti Torah. And we are holding in Parag Beis. Uh, this is a Mimer, it's a beer on the Pasuk, as Karbani Lachmi. Which is a very powerful Mimer, a very fundamental Mimer. In this Mimer, as we discussed last week, the Alter Rebbe, Rupshin Zalman of Liadi, is explaining the power of what's called that the power of ma there's a certain power that is only present in this world in the physical world and also only until the time of mashiach in which i mean while we're in the process of refinery this world is a refinery and while we're in the process of refining and separating good from bad we have enormous enormous energy which is allowing for the transformation of any entity to move in a in a um, unrestricted way. That means that there is a complete free free zone or free reign in this world in which we can each move ourselves to be the closest to Hashem and to become the ultimate vessel for His light, for His presence, 
or God forbid, we can move ourselves into a very disconnected state. And but the good part is, as long as we're breathing, that's the point. As long as we're not, as we're still, as we're breathing, we can still transition ourselves radically, literally, radically. We can do a hundred and eighty turnaround, a hundred eighty spin anytime. And it goes, it goes, it goes two ways. You know, the Talmud tells us of great, great um, sinners who became an uh, a, a balchuva like that in a in a in a snap of the finger, and in the end, in the last moments of their lives, then they merited to become a enter and become a permanent fixture, if you can say, in holiness. They are a receptacle for God's light for all of eternity. And then we have people the opposite who were doing pretty well during their life. And then they're right in the end of their life. They like took a left turn, a turn or went down south and uh, disconnected. So, um, but the, the main point over here is that in this world, we can do radical transformations. But in the spiritual spheres where souls are, it's a painstaking journey. That means souls, wherever they are, that's where they are. And if they move, it goes through an enormously slow process of moving slowly, 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 slowly through an immense process of, of like elevation and perhaps some purification, what is necessary. And uh, it can be, you know, a, a it's a very, very tedious and step-by-step movement. You don't have that ability to hop on a wave, a divine wave that can take you in one second from one end of the of the um, spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. We don't have that, only in this world. And the concept that he discussed was, let me just briefly say in last week's class, that that's because the upper worlds, anything above the physical world, um, is is um, the the divine energy that kind of dominates in that in the, in those worlds are the indwelling light, what we call the mamalakalaman light, and the mamalakalaman light means it's a light that Hashem has already conditioned and adjusted to each and every level. So the lights and the vessels are compatible with each other; they they work in perfect harmony. And therefore, everything is already expressed, everything is already fixed, everything is already set, everything is already detailed. Um, and once things are already detailed, then they're detailed. Like once a body is totally formed, you can't change the toes to be the head and the head had to be the toes. Everything is fixed, everything is decided. And as last week we discussed, and I don't want to go over much because we discussed this in a two-hour class last week, that's both from the perspective of the container and the vessel, we said it's like a, a, a fetus or a tree. Once the tree is developed, each part of what was once part in the seed, the seed as a potential or in the seminal drop of a human being, um, which kind of can still be moved around when it's still in the potential state. Once it comes into a state of full expression and development, then each limb and each organ and each part of the tree is fixed and and um, um, locked into whatever it is, whatever it's defined to be. And that's already the world, that's called the other world, meaning once in the higher zone, everything is in its place. So that's on the vessel end. The containers are already decided. And the same is also on the energy. 
that the energy that dominates those world is an energy that is that matches each level. It means in the world of Atsilos, there's a much higher light. And in the world of Berea, there's a lesser light. And in each Sephira, and each chamber, in each every every station, every place, every garden. It's a big garden over there. Every place in the garden has its unique way in which God's energy filters through into the garden. As we discussed, we create that in this world. But once it's already, once it leaves this world, meaning once we're up there, everything has its spot and its place. Down here, there's two, there is two. Over here, we can change things all the time. And we can take something that is utterly evil and turn it into absolute goodness. And God forbid we can move things the other way around as well. And that is for two reasons. Number one, because this world is unfinished business. We're still in the midst. Now, I have to say something. A lot of what we discussed last week is a little bit different today. Because today the Rebbe told us already that we passed already the crucial moment of completing the refinery. That's already uh, when we got hit the year 1990. The world has reached already its completion of its refinement. So it's hard really to explain how the condition of this is applicable. What we're learning in the Mimer last week and this week, how it's applicable exactly to today. I would not say that it doesn't apply at all because or else we wouldn't be teaching it. But on the other hand, I would say that it's, it has to be different. I just don't have exactly the clarity of what the rules are in the current time which we might call the twilight zone between between night and day. In other words, we're we're like somewhere already emerging in today, but there is still some remnants of the darkness, obviously. So it's hard to decide exactly what are the spiritual dynamics that are playing that are now in the you know that are now um, that we have access to. Uh, but in general, we're talking about life in the physical world. So things in this world have not yet been set. The refinement has not happened. And since they have not happened, the things are still in a state of mixture. And when in a state of mixture, just like we said before, in the potential seed of a child, you know, there's no exact definition of what will be head and what will be foot. And therefore, the foot can become head and head can become foot and so on and so forth. That's in the vessel. Also, another incredible thing is in the energy, divine energy, that the divine energy that is present in this world is from what's called in Chasidus, the Saiviv Kalam. The Saiviv Kalam means the encompassing light of God, in which the encompassing light of God is still pre-definition. It's still what we might call, we're going to see today, it's still called an Or Klali. It's still a very general light of Hashem that has not yet formulated itself into particular expression. So it's almost like God is bestowing a general energy to, to, to be engaged in a relationship with the world. It's like Hashem is excited. It's like a teacher excited to walk into a classroom and she has no idea, she or he, who her, who her or his students are. And they're just coming fully equipped to deal with each student and to teach each student in accordance to their, to their specific needs. But at this moment, there is no specifications yet. There's just a general will to teach. And on that general will, the energy is still on a, on a, on a very, uh, in a very lofty and non-descriptive state. And that's why it has the power to like, it's not, it's not limited to a particular vessel. 
And that's an enormous, that's, that we understand that's like, that's like the, 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 the potential state before it becomes actualized. So the mamalakalaman energy already, the indwelling light of God is where things become, where God is already dealing with each student individually. It's like the teacher in the mid doing report cards in the middle of the year. They're assessing every student individually and they have already a whole different plan of how they are going to now in the second, uh, you know, uh, period of the, of the year address each students in accordance to their needs. But when they walk into the classroom on the first day, especially if they didn't speak to previous teachers, so they don't really have any clue of students, what, where, and when. So they're just coming with a clean slate and with a general desire to teach. And everybody at that point, from the br- brilliant student to the most simplest of the students, the, 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 the most studious one to the laziest one, the one whose ADD is equal to the one who's, you know, can sit for nine hours and pay attention. Everybody's equal at that point. And at that moment, it's almost like, you know, I would say something like this. Once, once you're already in a, in a, if you're planning to change, if, if, you're, if you're in a state where already, you know, you've gone through school and first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and there's a kind of already an understanding of what kind of student you are by the teacher in, in, in the, in the, in the um, you know, you have, let's just say you have already a file in the principal's office. You know, they called the police already three times to the school. <laughs> I don't mean so severe. There's been already serious, you know, uh, situations. So you're kind of locked into being that kind of a student, which, you know, but if it's a new teacher and the, and the principal wants to like meet with the teacher before the school year and wants to give the, the, the student, the, the, the teacher, a complete rundown of, of the students, including sharing student Z's fly, style, uh, 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 file, uh, a very ambitious teacher will say, don't give me any files. I want to walk into that classroom having no clue. And you know what you're doing at that moment? The teacher is really giving a chance for the Z student to at this moment, before, because the teacher is not yet, you know, addressing them in that specific way, they still are, will give the student the chance to flip from Z to A. That's the idea. Because they have not yet you know, um, decided that this is, you know, I have to relate like this. I don't know. It's a certain blessing to be able to do that. Um, what was it? It was a story that way of a teacher who they did it. They did it some kind of a trial where they took the most difficult students, but they told the teacher it's like the most incredible class. And the teacher walked in with such positivity, having such high expectations and such a, positive and attitude to the students and 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 it turned out that the class was like unbelievable because there, there was that there was a clean slate it was totally no um and that's the idea in our world god is approaching this world still with unbelievable optimism let's put it this way such a cool way of looking at this whole class see when i start talking and there's a there's a, there's a listenership the, the baruch hashem the mind opens up Hashem is giving giving me giving me insight that I totally didn't have before. It's such a cool idea. Hashem is so optimistic in our world about everything, and therefore everything could prove itself to be worthy for His for His light and for His blessings. Uh, once you come on the other world already, there's a far more already discrimination on God's part. He knows already what you're all about, and He's going to put you exactly where you belong. Where you, I don't mean you, I mean anybody. We are put exactly where we belong already because things are already predefined and fixed.
and that's what it is. So that's why we have to make sure that when we move on over there, we're already in a good, we have a pretty good um, record. So we're put in a good spot so that there's a lot of good, a good communication. But the place to change things is in this world, the save of Cologne. That's the idea. Now we're going to continue this discussion. We're going to learn. And we're going to add one more interesting note. And that is that the state of predefinition is masculine. The state of definition and particularization is feminine light, like it is in the concept of male and female. Male produces the general idea that there's going to be a child, but the indistinguishable features of the child and the particular talents and abilities are not at all the, uh, uh, specified by the father. Mom already spends nine months you know, uh, 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 detailing the child, bringing out all the, the particular parts and details. So she's particular. That's why we know we learned the Hasidus so much times. Chachma is, is, is a seed of an idea. It's an energy. It's a general energy. Bina is com- already compartmentalizes everything. Already finds and brings everything out into specifics and in details. And in general, men have... We don't like to generalize men and women, but still, there is a general masculine energy and a feminine energy where male, where men are tend to be more general in things, and women are much, much better into taking things down to the nitty-gritty detail. A man wants to throw a party, his wife is the one who gets it down to the particular napkins. That's what it is. It's the napkins. It's the tablecloth. It's the, it's exactly this, you know, to him, it's all just one big party. He's got the energy there when he's just busy inviting everyone, you know, she's, she has it down pat, down to the details. So, and, and then here's the idea. The energy gets a little weaker when it comes down into details, but w- without going to details, not much is going to happen from it. So this intense light that is possible in this world, which makes our world such an amazing place in terms of our ability to switch things from darkness to light very quickly, is because God's masculine light is present in this world, the general light. In the upper worlds, it's more already a in a the feminine state, where everything, as we said earlier, is particularized in details. What dominates in the higher realms is Bina. Bina is the feminine light of God. The river goes out of Aden. The river is Bina, like we learned so many times, to water the garden. The garden, and from the garden is where all the specific chambers of enjoyment and pleasure that happen in all of the spiritual cosmos. But it's all already in the feminine realm. Um, The Yud, which is the powerful potential, before it gets specified, doesn't shine in the higher worlds. It only is present down here in this world. Now, the term that he's going to use for it is a term that we should be familiar with in earlier classes. He's going to use the term ma and ban. And that is that ban is the feminine light. It's the, it, it, these are two names of God. Um, both of them derive from the tetragrammaton, from the name of Hashem, of Yudke Vavke, the name that equals 26, 
right? The unpronounceable four-letter name of God. Um, when you make the, the numeric, every Hebrew letter has a number. When you make the ordinary, um, when you add up Yud and a He and a Vav and a He, you get 26. But if you also count the hidden letters that are there, um, you get to other numbers because every letter is made up of other letters that you don't see, but they're really there. Like a base is a base yud tough base. It's the word bias. And an aleph is an aleph lamed pe. So the yud also has hidden, like a yud has a dalit. But when you look at the letter yud, you only see the yud. You don't see the yud. When you say it, you sense the dalit. So the hidden letters of God's name could be written out in in, in various different spellings. Based on the different spellings, you get to different numeric, to a different number. Now these, we're not dealing with just little, 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 uh, cute little, um, what's it called again, uh, calculations. We're talking about the fundamental energies of the whole cosmic order, which are dependent in the various different names of Hashem. So two of the primary gematrias numeric values of God's name, when you add the Miloy, one of them equals 45, and the other one equals 52. So 52 is called Ban, comes from the word Nun Beis, 52. Nun is 50 and Beis is 2. And Ma is 45, Mem and He. So he's got 45, he's got 52. Now, The level of 45 is a higher level than 52. 52 is the feminine level, which means lights and energies that are already contained in vessels. You just mentioned earlier when things are already specified and detailed, lights and vessels, that's 52. And 45 is when the energy is still in a, in a more general state, the general idea before it comes down into specifics. And then it's and then it's the energy of forty five. Now, and that's again male, masculine energy, feminine energy. Now, this lofty level of masculine light of forty five, which is we said is present in this world, to harness its power. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's generally just here in this world. It's available. And that's what gives us the ability to make choices here. But to harness its real power and to really pick things up from darkness to light, including ourselves, changing ourselves and changing humanity and changing nations and changing entire peoples and so on and so forth, to harness that power is through Torah and mitzvot. It takes two things. It takes the souls. Primarily, this energy was given to the Jewish souls because the souls of Israel are rooted in the level of 45, in the lofty level. That's what it says. Hashem says, um, Yisrael olu b'machshava. The Jewish people rose in God's thoughts. The word machshava comes from the word chashev, ma, the thought of ma. That the Jewish souls come from, from this lofty level of ma. On a very, very, very sublime level. Now, let me explain that better. The more immediate um, um, level of our soul is from the name 52, not from the name 45. 
we are all children of the Shekhinah. We're children of Malchut. Malchut is already the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the feminine dimension of God. It's the name of 52. That's the Neshama, but that's mostly our soul that is enclosed in a body. That's, remember, what did we say? What's 52? 52 is lights and vessels. So it's the part of our neshama closed in, in, in a body. It's the more definitive. It's the more structure of the soul. But then there is the soul source. The soul source is rooted in chachma, which is chachma is again, ma, the masculine light, the power of father, the power of chachma. Ma is still an undefined energy. And that's, how does that, where, where is that in the soul? That's the energy, the boundless energy of the soul that is not defined, but rather the soul, where the soul is not so much in a shape and a form and a personality. It's just a point, the deepest point of the soul, where the soul is just what we call the pintalayid, the little point of, of, of the infinite that's at the core, the nucleus of the soul. It doesn't have a shape and a form, and that's why it's by all Jews, Jews equal. And that's what drives a person to give their life up for God, it's it's beyond intellect, beyond reason, because it's again, it's it's higher than understanding, it's higher than reason, it's higher than logic. It's a pure drive. It manifests sometimes as a pure drive of want of desire. It's a much deeper level of soul, and that's the ma of our soul. And we have to activate that. And when we activate that power in our soul, then we are have this enormous ability. To, because we said earlier, until this world is finished in its separation of good and evil, through activating that ma, we can take even things that belong in the dark side and shift them over into the bright side. That when Mashiach comes, it too should be part of the kingdom of God. It should too should be part of the home of Hashem where Hashem will dwell. And that's what we do all day long. We bring cucumbers into the relationship. We bring peppers into the relationship. We bring sneakers into the relationship. We bring microchips into the relationship. We bring toothbrushes into the relationship and shirts into the relationship and pants into the relationship and cars into the relationship and spaghetti into the relationship. Everything, because everything that we take, which these are all stuff that could be in the physical world and not be a vessel for the divine revelation of Mashiach. And when we utilize all these stuff, we make these things part of our experience of God. And the Jewish people really, initially it would have been just the land of Israel, which would have been the empire of God. But because the Jewish people who have that energy of ma in their neshama, in their soul, have traversed the entire globe and built a yeshiva in in the Congo, I don't know if they built the yeshiva in the Congo, but they built the yeshiva, they built the mikveh in the Congo, and they built the yeshiva in, in, in uh, I don't know where, in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they built a, and they have a kosher stores in France, and they have schools in Buenos Aires, and or I'm giving the example, all these stuff, which is fulfillment of God's will in all these places in the world, so what we're doing is we're applying our ma energy, we're activating, we're catching this higher infinite light of God that is not yet settled and not yet defined and using it to reach the places that would have been outside of the boundaries of holiness and we bring them into the boundaries of holiness. As we know, when Mashiach comes, 
the land of Israel is going to expand over the entire world. So Australia and New Zealand, and Zealand will be included. Places all over the world will be included. And that's because of the Torah study and the mitzvah observance and so on and so forth. But again, how can we take unholy land and make it holy if we would only have the energies of the Shekhinah, if we would only have the feminine light of God present, it would stay relegated only to the land of Israel. It would be very in very small little areas, only what is ready for this light. But the fact that we have the power of Ma, it's a superpower, and is in our neshama, in our soul. So as we traverse the earth, we apply that masculine light to help bring as much as we can into the unity and only spit out whatever is really, really, really unredeemable. Okay? Now, the other thing that is related to Ma, the power of Ma, besides the Jewish soul, is the Torah and the mitzvahs. The Torah and the mitzvahs, their sublime source is in this general light of God, a level of pure will, like we spoke earlier, that's predetermined, prefixed, pre-specified, and that's where the mitzvahs really originate in the will of all wills of God that God has, and in the level of, and as we're going to see in the Maimar. And because Torah and mitzvahs stem from the level of Ma, of the level of forty-five of this, of this, of this, of this early stage of energy, of godly presence. So this, that's why the Jew and Torah and mitzvahs can conclude the tikkun in this world. In which place do we do the tikkun? In the territory of Ban. Ban is, so here's the thing. Here's where we have to like, kind of like play with this carefully. And there's like this. Um, Once we take things and we utilize them in a mitzvah, once we brought a person, we take anything in this world and we fix it, we, we, we engage it in some kind of a godly Thing. So we turned it into a vessel for godliness by applying the Torah and the mitzvahs to it. So now it is already fixed. It has already completed its purification. That's why we find, mentioned earlier, I didn't mention this in this class, but you know, the Jewish people move from country to country. And then after they've been there for a certain amount of time, they usually were kicked out of there. And, and even though the, the reasons for that was generally anti-Semitism, and all kinds of other whatever, not negative things, but the deeper reason is because once we finished the refinement in Spain, we had no business staying there because Spain was already ready for Mashiach, even though it was still a land of hundreds of years of Jewish persecution, inquisition, and horrific things. But on a deep essential core level, the mitzvahs and the Torah that the Jews studied in Barcelona Barcelona, and these various different places has already made that territory ready for the great divine revelation that's going to happen hundreds of years later at the time of the coming of Mashiach. And and we moved on to country after country after country. In the last, the Rebbe explains that only in the the latest point of history do we go to the most challenging of places, and that is the lower half of the globe, down and under the United States of America, and to see what we can bring in from as low as there into the realms of holiness. Okay, so we, we expand around, around, around. So the way it works initially, and this is a concept that he's going to address over here in the Sikha as well, and the Mimer as well later, an interesting idea. 
again, in order to do two things, in order to separate the good and the bad, you need that incredible power of Chachma, the, the masculine energy. The feminine energy is only after things are set in a fixed state, then the limited light of God, which is the indwelling light of Hashem that settles into each creature and into each being, that's the feminine energy. Now, it's extremely important because that means that the creature becomes settled with godliness. From the masculine light, you're not settled with godliness. You're encircled with godliness, but you're not settled with godliness. Godliness doesn't permeate you. It doesn't become you. It remains higher than you. So I'm not dismissing the feminine light. Quite on the contrary. The ultimate purpose is that everything should be ready to be completely, to be fully a vessel for holiness. And that's the ultimate dream of that Hashem had when he created the world. That's the finished product when everything is set already. But in order to initially, oh, so let, let, let me back up a minute. In order to create this empire, in order to create this dwelling or whatever we're going to call it of Hashem, initially the, the, the substance and with all of existence is made out of had a mixture of what could be a recipient of God's light and what has to be pushed out. It's the concept of Eitzadas Tovera, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. So, and that permeated the entire material of what all of existence is made out of. It's all a mixture. Now that mixture is related to the name Ban. So what I will say is like this. Ban exists on two levels, the name 52. It exists as the mixture prior to sorting it out. It's when the containers and the pieces and everything, everything is still in a mixed state where there isn't a, a clarity. There's just confusion. That's the initial state of Ban. That's why we speak that Ban is the, the, the associated with the shattered vessels. The shattered vessels is what created this mixture. And the rectification of Ban is when things are sorted out and, the, and what is negative and, 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 and not good and toxic gets spit out. What is good is set and placed on its place. And now Hashem can dwell in it. So that's the tikkun of ban. When ban has its tikkun, has its correction, then it's now an indwell, a place for the indwelling light of God to dwell in it. It becomes a full container for God. Now ma energy, okay, as we spoke earlier, the 45 energy is the light that's above vessels. On the one hand, it's a much higher light because it's the infinite. And it has the, 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 the downside of it, if we can say, is that it's too intense for it to settle in a vessel. So we can't internalize it. So we can't enjoy it because it's, much, it's too infinite beyond us. But on the other hand, it's a very potent light. And what it does is it takes the bond and it fixes the bond. And that's the idea of ma mevarer ban, that 45 purif- forty-five clarifies 
the bond that needs clarification. When Ma finishes its clarification of ban, of the of these mixture, when it completes its job, and now everything in the world of ban is ready to receive the indwelling light, then it gets a bonus. Not only does the indwelling light, the limited lights of God, the specified lights of God, shine in each container and in each vessel, but then the masculine light as well descends and reveals itself in the containers, even though it's infinitely beyond the containers. And that's the unification of heaven and earth, that's the unification of cosmic male and female. So first, the Ma's job is the purification and to help the, the Ban organize ourselves, if you can say. The, the energies of 52 be specified and detailed. But once it's completed, there is a, again, a, and that's going to be in the Messianic age, where we won't only experience the godliness of our existence, of our world, or of our limited being, we will experience also God's vast infinity, which is above and beyond creation. So now let's go back to the idea that I mentioned, because I'm, I'm saying a lot of introduction, because that's going to make a lot easier to, re- to, to learn, to read what we're learning, because the mimer is very cryptic. So hopefully by reading it, by giving you all this introduction, it's going to make the the read much easier. Now, the next very important idea, and that is that we said earlier that the bond that needs to be clarified or or sorted out, um, the way it works is, is that you we apply the masculine light to to the material of bond, to this mixture or whatever. God intentionally made this mixture because he wants us to be partners with him in creation. He wants to give us a part of it. He doesn't want to just, you know, have a dwelling where he lives and he fills it all with his glorious light because then we don't feel like we're part of it. In order for it to be ours, he wants us to work on it. So therefore, when he, he, he initially, from the beginning of bringing existence, bringing the world into existence, including the spiritual cosmos, he already planned it in a way that there is a mixture of holy and unholy. There's already a, a there, there's some kind of a process that we're going to be involved in and choices we're going to have to choose. And basically this boils down to our daily choices that we make every day to be godly or not to be godly. That's what it really is. And that's when we, we decide on our own selves. Well, what is my heart? What is my limbs? What is my body? What is my brain? What is my environment? Holy or unholy. Now, but here's the here's the process. 99.9 of this purification process God did already at the very first moments of creation. The materials of Ban were mixed. The power of Ma, the power of 45, was applied immediately. But the way it worked was it began its purification on the highest peaks of existence, which means it started to 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 to. It went into this mixture and looked for what was the purest of the purest of the pure, which could be grade A in its in its in its pure in its receptibility to the divine. Now let's understand something. What makes something qualified to be a receptive to the divine? 
is the degree of bittal, how much it surrenders itself, how how much it can acknowledge God's truth that there's nothing besides God. So when something can handle that to the to the fullest degree, which means something can be completely not, which is the opposite of the nature of creations, is that everything wants to be, yeah, not not. You want to be something. You want to be important in your own eyes. You want to be a somebody. But the whole the whole chat, the whole godly experience is the opposite. Is our ability to be to a point where there's no self awareness at all. It's just a pure channel for God, just a vessel, just a space. It's almost like just a space where it can be completely not just acknowledged, but permeated with the reality. That you are just a vessel for he is and there's none but him. And who are you? You're just a container holding that thought. So obviously none of us live in that consciousness. But in the world of emanation, the world of Atsilas, on the highest, there is that the purest experience of Ein Oid Movade, there's nothing but God. So the first announcement was anybody who's accepting that truth and can live in it, raise your hand. And whatever was able to be sucked up into that truth was that became the bond, became the vessel separated from what was not willing to be in such a level of surrender. So that got spit out and this created the first level of receptiveness to the infinite life. And that's the first world or the, or, or in a, it actually is even higher than Atsilus. The first separation happened even a level higher than Atsilus in Keter. What could be at the most pristine state of just absolute oneness that became the Keter of Banda Atsilus? The, 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 the 52 of Atsilus, but the crown over Atsilus is whatever could enter into, and that's like the most severest test. You have to be beyond ego, beyond ego, beyond ego at the highest, 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 most sublime level. Whatever could not pass the test was kind of expelled. So the purest receiver was was came about. But that didn't mean that God gave up on the process. Then he lowered the standards a little bit a couple of notches and said, okay, if you feel just a tiny little, 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 little bit, and almost like you're a little bit of weird that, that you are experiencing there's none but him, like something like that. You know, these, the tiny, we will allow that in as well. Anybody who can, who can, who can, who's willing to, to submit to that, to that level of existence, come on in. So whoever can pass that test already became, entered into the vessels or the containers of Chachma of Atzilot, which is much lower than Keter. And so the, lo- the bar was lowered and whatever was not was expelled out. And then the standards were lowered again and again and again. It's almost like you're when you're purifying gold and it's like the fir- one of the ways of the purification is first you look for, the, for that which is the most the most, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make it a very simple example. You'll all understand me. I like eating. What can I tell you? So 
you have a sit down with a with 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 a with a with a with a um a, a, a thing of blueberries. So we all know there's like a blueberry that you put it in your mouth, it crunches, and it has like a tartness and a sourness. It's the perfect blueberry. But if it's too sour, no. If it's a little mushy, no. Right? There has to be that. So that when you when you get that new box of blueberries, you sit down. So the first your first selection is you find like the you touch them and you find like ah, which is the really good tart blueberry, and that makes it past the first. Then you put it back in the fridge and you're like okay. But then, you know, a few hours later, you're hungry again, and you're not going out to the store to buy a new thing of blueberries. So you're taking out the same thing of blueberries, and you say you'll settle for a blueberry that is not as perfect as the grade A, and you're going to go for the second level of blueberries. And so you'll make your way each time you go back to the refrigerator, and what was, what was not accepted before, because then you had the chance to go for the best of the best, you'll settle for something less. That's the whole idea. And God w- worked his way through his little pound of his little, um, what is it called? The little, um, how would you call it? The, uh, the container, his container of blueberries. First he picked those that were the, and then everything else was, no, I don't want this. And then he said, eh, you know what? Let me, I, I can shine some of my light even. I can invite you into the party even if you're not at that level. And so it went and went. He did all this work as he was creating. And that's what brought about the creation of the higher worlds and all the angelic beings and celestial beings and perfect beings that are so holy and so godly. They made their way somewhere in this. And to a higher level, what is in the lower world is like completely like, wow, like you guys are so coarse. But what, and what is considered like um, total holiness in one level to a level above it is like, Cheap holiness, it's, it's not, it's the way it works. And then what ended up at the bottom, 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 the last dregs of dregs, the stuff that you would say, oh, let's just throw it out already. It's like nothing really left to get out of that blueberry container. And that's when God brings us all in. He says, you know, go, go get me some blueberries. Go pick it, go find me within the, within the leftover, what qualifies. Now in our world, what qualifies to be included into the divine experience, the expectations are very, very low. All you need to do is, even if you're full of ego and you're full of self, but if you bend your head to God and you do the mitzvah that he tells you to do it, even if inwardly you're kicking and streaming, even though if inwardly you're so not happy about the having to do this mitzvah, even if it's not like full of excitement, but in the bottom line, you're living in the physical world and you acknowledge that God is your creator and you're going to listen to him, the, the actual final simple obedience, even though it's so external compared to the deeper levels of surrender that there are in the higher realms. And it would never be accepted in if you were to be this type of a mitzvah or this type of an observance on the more spiritual realms. But in the lowest of world, it too is accepted. And, and, the entry, and, and the very, very interesting thing is that those leftover blueberries that come in last are ultimately his most precious ones. Just because he enjoys the fact that what was thought to be so unredeemable, it was such thick matter and things that were so unlikely to be part of the divine scheme that even they can be brought in, that is thrilling to God and the most entertaining to him. And that's why he gave us the best task from everything. He brought us in by the final, and I have to understand something. What's really cool is 
the earlier generations from within this whole process, they were dealing with the last batch, but in the last batch, that what was still like, you know, the, the first people that come, they can pick the top ones. It's the people living at the end of days, like at the seconds before Mashiach comes, that are dealing with the, the final, final, little, little bit of redeemable something that is still there to extract. And that's where we complete our work. And the Ma energy completes the task of rectifying Bob. And once Mashiach is here already, what happens? Everything is... And here's, an, here's a scary thought. Whatever doesn't make its way into holiness down here goes into the garbage pail, goes into the trash can for all of eternity. So this is the last stage of purification. That's why the sages say, you know, you've got to get it done down here because you can't have any hope for because there's nothing lower. You know what's lower than this world? The snake. Whatever doesn't make it into a unification with God here, past this basic level of basic surrender time. That's why the sages say an interesting statement. We're going to learn about it today. Someone who does not bow down by modem, you say when we daven Shmona Esrei, when we daven the Amida, when we pray the, the, uh, the, the main prayer, so there is certain parts that we bow down. And then one of them is when we say four times during the prayer, we bow. When you bow, you're supposed to bow down in a way where you bend all the vertebrae of your spine. You have to be like, go like pretty low. In any case, so in that bowing, the sages say, anybody who doesn't bow down by modem, their, their spine becomes a snake. Now, obviously, this, they're not talking about some weird magic. They're talking allegorically. They're explaining. What's the bare, bare minimum to be invited into partaking in the divine scheme of creation, the divine plan? The bare minimum is yield. What is bowing down? Bowing down means yielding. You're yielding to God. If God asks you something, do it. He says, don't do that. Don't. That means the yielding. Even though it's an external yielding, it's only your body is bending. But at least, you know, even though while you're doing it, you're not really into it. You don't really care about it. It's not your passion. You're not identifying with it. Fine. But bottom line, bottom line, the mitzvah that God asks you to do, you'll do. That's called the yielding. If you can't even yield by modem, what does that mean? That you've identified completely with the other side. And then, what's the other side? The snake. It's, a, it's basically either God or the snake. Not much choices. So the other side is the snake. So if you identify with the snake, and that's why the sages continue. And they say that that person who didn't yield by modem does not get up by the resurrection. Why? What's the resurrection? The resurrection is the world... It's, the resurrection is already the afterlife in the sense, even though it's the resurrection of physical life in this world, but it's already the finished product. If you couldn't fit yourself in somewhere in the product, in this finished palace, in this finished um, um, existence, in which is a vessel for God, you couldn't find a place where you too could be a vessel for God, and you're not part of the vessel, then there's no, there's, there's no point of living in the in the in the in the because. The only reason there's a snake alive today is the snake is needed to tempt us. The snake is needed to give us free choice. 
But once we're done with choice, and, and now choice is over, now, it's the, now is the time when there's actually already the full, the full revelation. So if you haven't chosen your way in, God forbid, then you're on the outside. And on the outside, there's no point of having that person being alive by the resurrection. Because, and, that, and, and that's because their, their spine is a snake. What does a spine mean? The spine is, is, is your, 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 your upright structure, which says so much about your identity. Who are you? Right? Like you say, a person who doesn't have any something is the lacking the spine. The spine is your oomph. So the question is, what's your identity? Do you belong to holiness or not? That's, that's the core of what we're learning today. So let's go and learn, which I think is going to lead us that we're going to have to finish this mimer next week because, because all of this is going to connect to it. And I think if we're going to try to do that part as well, we're going to sit here for six hours. Okay. In addition to the fact that I don't know that part yet that well at all. In a call, so now we're holding Siv base. He's going to explain the concept that I, I mentioned briefly earlier that the, 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 when things are fixed already related to 52, when things are still the energy of God that is still the encompassing energy, that's 45. So he's explaining the way things evolve is initially every energy, initial, like, like any new creation, like we find it in our lives as well, any new creation first begins with a general idea which contains within it all the details, but the details are not yet individualized. It's all lost in the general concept. And then after there's it, like someone has a concept and then you break it down into the details. And that means you're entering the energy into the vessels, into the containers. So it's, it's first starts off as a masculine energy and then it gets down into the feminine state of specification. So he explains. So every single evolving state in the cosmic order of, of, of the world coming into existence, it emerges on two levels. First, it's an encompassing light, and then from the makif light, from the general light, it goes into a state of pnimi, what can be internalized in the vessel. Makif, what does encompassing mean? That which cannot go into the vessel. Because the vessel can't contain it. Because the vessel can't, doesn't have the broadness to wrap itself around such, a, such an intense energy. It's like a concept that is when a teacher is teaching a student, the original concept in the mind of the teacher the teacher would drop it on the students just as it is without processing it, without developing it. It would just fry the brains of the students. So the teacher needs to sit with it a little bit and find words and break it down into little pieces and then slowly give it bit by bit by bit. This, is, this means the lights that can go into containers. But the initial light that's in the mind of the teacher is too intense for the student. So it's there, but it's... It's, and the teacher might even say it initially just as a one, a one concept and an idea. The students don't get it, but that serves as like the outline. They don't understand it yet. It's an outline. So it, it keeps them kind of within a certain context. 
and then later you 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 break in all the details. Um, as he says, but the way it works is whenever there is such a transmission, it always works first with first what what reveals itself is the outline. First, what reveals itself is the encompassing general energy, like with the creation, physical creation of a child or of a tree. First, there's a seed. Then you get the details. First, there is a, 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 the, the male transmission, which is general. And then there is the female um, individualizing of it. First is drawn the general makiv, the encompassing light. And then from there comes the indwelling light. What is the indwelling light? Is a tiny little ray. So when we talk with God, for instance, God wants to give us pleasure by sharing himself with us. He wants to imbue us with his light. But his light is infinite. There's no way the world's in anybody. But first there is a general, ah, I want to, I want to, I want to delight the righteous. I want to illuminate them with my great light. But that's, no one can fathom that. No one can handle that. Then it goes through a millions of filters and till a little droplet drops into, a little drop becomes the, the pleasure pool, so to speak, in an entire chamber of millions of, 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 of souls as they have somewhat of a little tiny little bit of an inkling in the in the vat of a little droplet of the infinite. But that's so that's what he's saying. But first there is the general will, the general overwhelming energy, and then a little tiny bit gets taken inside. Only a little bit goes inside the pnimi. Now, as one level passes on to the next level, you realize we're dealing with a series of, of stages and where the energy flow flows from level to level. So in each, in each level when there is a transmitter and a recipient, a teacher and a student, and each level this occurs that the the um, what the this little droplet again the little droplet that the student got from the teacher that they internalized the student can't fathom the mind of the entire teacher the entire mind of the teacher the student got a little bit of an understanding of it but then this student opens up a school and they have students so from that little droplet that the student received from their greater vastness of the teacher, that now becomes, from that droplet, they emanate a light, which is also considered encompassing, and encompasses the next level. And from that encompassing light comes even a smaller droplet, and that becomes the internalized understanding of the next level of students. So everybody's getting a drop of the drop of the drop as things are being diluted as they're coming down with enormous dilution. So from level to level. But in each level, the relationship of the giver to the receiver comes in two stages. First a blast and then a 
first, a, a, as we said before, an outline and then a massive contraction to give a little point, to give a little something that can be internalized. So it moves. And from the inner, what the upper level had absorbed inside itself, at first, it will now radiate to the to its recipient an encompassing energy to it. Afterwards, a little bit of that will move into the next level, level to be internalized. And so it is in all Seydrishdalshals, in this entire progressive order. And he's giving you a few levels that he's going to say. May Aimalaza from the level called mother, to the small face, which means from Bina, which received her light from Chachma. Chachma is the male, is the father level. And Chachma passes a droplet. First, a Chachma releases a revelation to Bina. The initial revelation from Chachma to Bina is an encompassing light. But then a little bit of it, then there's an Pnimi, an internal light that goes into Bina. Now Bina is going to dr- transmit that light down to the Zeirampin, into the emotions. From Bina, which is mother, which is the level of understanding, it goes now to the emotions. How will it go? Same thing. Bina will first blast a revelation out, which is encompassing to the Zeirampin, into the six emotions. And a little tiny bit of it will be absorbed now into Zeirampin. From the mother to the Zeirampin, and then it will go from Zah from Zeirampin, the same way Zeirampin will pass to Malchut. See, each sphere, each attribute transmits to the student, to the next recipient, in a way of Makif and then Pnimi. Because everything works in this system, everything works in a system of first encompassing and then internalizing. And he gives an example how it is in the human experience. Like we see within our own internal processing. When we're thinking, there's such richness in our thought. There's so much in there. But when we want to give it over, the, the speech can only, usually only captures a little bit of the thought. Unless you have the Unless you have the luxury like me to give classes for like eight hours or whatever. <laughs> and you can take everything that's in the thought and put it into speech. But generally, it's like, you know, it's the worst thing of being a speaker or being invited is they tell you, you have 10 minutes and you have so much. Like, ah, I want, how can I say it just in 10 minutes? That's, but usually what happens is that so much more that you wanted to say or that you have in your thought didn't go into the speech. Because the speech is generally much narrower than the thought. Because speech is already a next level in the soul. So the speech should never, can never convey everything that's in thought. So a lot of the thought remains hovering over the speech, and only some of the thought goes into the speech. Not all of what is in one's thought, is able to be inserted into the speech. Only a tiny little bit of a spark, a little bit of it can go into it. And the same is also if we trace this 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 evolving energy on a higher level in our soul, even prior to thought, where we're going through the process of intelligence and emotions. And the same also works from a from a uh, 
uh, a uh, understanding from intellect to emotions, what happens? For example, when someone has an understanding of the richness of the divine or the greatness of God, and in your head you learned some awesome teaching, and we know in Hasidus we are always taught that when you learn something, you're supposed to meditate on it until you can start emotionally reacting to it. And that happens in prayer, where you're supposed to get excited about what you're learning, what is in your head, has to reach down into the heart. And here too we know, only a little bit of what you're experiencing in your mind can get into the emotions. Only a little bit. Most of what is there is going to stay up here in the head, but a little bit in the heart is very good. And that's the whole purpose, that a little bit should reach the heart. The same concept, whenever there is a one level passing to the next, a little bit goes in, but what happens with what didn't go in? What remained and didn't go in, it's hovering. It becomes the outside, the outer outline, so to speak. It's the encompassing energy. When one contemplates during prayer, the heart can never get excited to the degree that it should capture within itself the entire understanding and everything that was in the contemplation. It has to become shortened. That which has been understood and that which has been grasped. And this general concept is a concept that the Kabbalists refer to as a system of igulim v'yoshe, which means spheres and lines. Spheres and lines mean circles and then lines. What is the idea? The circle is the initial, is the more broader, encompassing, greater energy. The line is the is what gets contracted and actually can enter into the vessel. So the whole system of, of godly, godly um, um, transmission to the world, first, what is drawn from Hashem is igulim, encompassing lights. And after, in each level, after the circle, parts of Yosha. And then there is the, a, a, a configuration of direct energy, which usually is a configuration of spherot. That means what is internalized. The lights settle into vessels. So it first, however, is a keter. A keter is an encompassing, an encompassing light. And then it goes into the, into the yosher, into lights and vessels. Now that's the interesting thing. The, the encompassing light is not called man. Because in the encompassing light, you can't distinguish features. But once it's coming into a state of a configuration of lights and vessels, that level is called already man. So we know that God is sometimes referred to as he's not a man, and sometimes I see a man. So these, this not man and yeah man is on, on every level. Because man represents the concept where the lights are already contained in vessels, which means it's already the feminine level, where energy goes into a container the internalization of ideas. And the, the not man is the encompassing light that can't be called man because it's, it's just a raw energy prior to its specification. So the parts of Yosha Shubchenas Adam, that's considered man. And that is, I mean, remember we said earlier that in the feminine level, the eye is an eye, the ear is an ear, and you can't switch. The ears can't see and the eyes can't, can't hear. Everything is set in its place. And that's like we discussed in the, in the in outside of this world, 
everything in the upper worlds have already been set with lights and vessels where things are already developed. When he says over here that they're still encompassing lights at every level, he's talking about in the initial emergence of worlds, that that's the way it works. Encompassing, internal. Encompassing, internal. Encompassing, internal. And then there is 248 limbs. And interesting. And within this, the internalization, not only is there distinguishable parts and distinguishable vessels, each one, but in each vessel itself, there is the immature state of the vessel and the maturing of the vessel. It's like the idea of a, talking about a human, a human is a child, first an infant, and then a child, and then a, and then a teenager, and then a full-grown man or woman, and then they reach the aging period, an older time. So you see a maturity, a development. So if we, if, if energy is not internalized, these, then, then you wouldn't have this process. This has to all to do with processing. How much are you processing? How much are you taking in? So the, the small, when a child is small, he doesn't have yet the containers. The mind does not develop. So they're, they're, they're taking things only very, very, very little bit. And as they grow older, the vessels are opening. And that system exists on all levels. As he says, and in this state, there is actually, I spoke about infancy, it's even before that. There is the fetus, there's the fetus, and there is the nursing state, and then there is the the de katnos, which means when you're already past the nursing state, but you're a child, which means you still have immature intelligence, and then de gadlos means expansive mind. And this doesn't only exist by humans down here. It exists in the entire scope of the entire cosmic order, every level. There is development, there's maturity, and so on and so forth. But this is important to note that only exists in the realms of Ban, of 52, because on that level, lights come into vessels. And when lights go into vessels, it the light will manifest in accordance of how much the vessel is developed. But in the energy that's pre-vessel, the masculine energy that's encompassing energy, it doesn't make a difference because there's anyway no vessel to receive it. So it doesn't dist- distinguish old, young, and so forth. Ma'ashen ki bi'gulim, which isn't the case in the encompassing energy, it's equal all the time. We can say, what does it mean in the, in the human being? The fact that you're alive, that there's life, that doesn't change. The the, the 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 individual particulars of being alive changes a lot as we grow, as we develop, as we understand, our emotions develop. There's a whole the richness of a person's life, you know, can but the, the being alive because being alive you don't internalize. Being alive is an energy that's just bigger than your vessels. And it's we it, it your entire body's equally alive. Your head is alive, your toes are alive. And you're alive when you're one day old, and you're alive when you're 90, 90, uh, 90, 99 years old, also alive. Obviously, the vessels are then already quaking and, 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 and you know, getting a little uh, whatever, but life is still there. Because that's, life is not the containable. The containable is the intelligence, the emotions, the power of vision, the power, that's the details. And in general, and in general, and now he's saying, that when the hashpa, when the influence and the hamshach and the what's being flowing, from the highest of all levels, 
this whole process, Nikra B'Shem Ma Uban. It's called Ma and Ba. Ma is what? Ma is the masculine light that is the encompassing encompassing energy. And Ban is when it enters already more specified into the vessels. The Ma is an encompassing level to the Ban. Hagam, even though Shegam Shem Ma Hupnimi. Now, even though in, in, we, 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 we know that even the name 45 is also considered Pnimi, which means internalized energy. And why are we saying now that only Ban is when lights go into vessels, the name of 52, not the name of 45? So he explains that what? Ah, Legabi Ban Yes, there are really more fundamental levels of Makif that are higher than the name Ma. So compared to those initial infinite lights, even Ma is considered already an, an internalized, directed energy towards the creation. But that's only relative to what's really, really beyond. But within the actual creative order, excuse me, of 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 the evolvement of worlds, bam, the energy of fifty-two is the light that is in the vessels, and ma is considered makif, encompassing light. I'll give you a perfect example for that to understand it. Torah in general, Torah study, is considered internal light versus mitzvahs. Mitzvahs is considered encompassing energy. You don't understand what a mitzvah is. You just surrender to a mitzvah. A mitzvah is the will of God. Torah, what's your relationship with Torah? Torah is a study, something you learn. So when you're learning, what are you doing? You're internalizing. So that's a more aban experience. Because it's it's an arpinimi, it's an internal light where the lights are going in the vessels. Fine, but we know that in Torah itself, we're going to see. He's going to mention it later also. Torah shabalpeh, the oral law, is the feminine part of Torah, and Torah shabiksav, the masculine, the 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 written law, scripture, is what is the name of forty-five, is masculine energy. Shema b'ni Musar avicha. Listen, my son, to the rebuke of your father. That's the Torah Shabik Sav. It's coming from father. And don't forsake the Torah of your mother. That's referring to the oral. So we all know as we examine Torah, what do we see? And when it comes to Mishnah, Talmud, Halacha, the study of those parts of Torah, everything is so particularly detailed. And when you learn it, it's either you understand it or you don't understand it. But if you don't understand it, it means you just got to learn it again and again until you'll get it. But you realize when you're learning it that you can you you can get it, you can understand it because it's a specific, particular law in the laws of kashrut, of, of how to, what's kosher, what's not kosher, or a particular law or a particular idea in the laws of Shabbos or whatever. So these are things that you can you can study, you can grasp it, you can know it. Obviously, certain parts are more complicated. You got to learn it a couple of times, but you can get to it. You can know it. How about Chumash? You read Chumash, you read Navi. Can you get it? Yeah, we can study and learn it. But if you don't know when you're learning that what you are really touching over here is an infinite communication by God and that you have no clue at all what it says, even on one word of Torah, you're not even, 
but then we have zero connection to Torah. Because the Torah, the written Torah, is, is God concentrate. It's literally divine, pure. God is concentrating his infinite brain into these into the five books of motion. And therefore, the, the, the energy that is there is completely aloof. It's completely beyond our, our, our ability to ever, to ever understand what it says. And that doesn't mean that we don't learn it and we don't, and we don't read it. And we, we read it every year and we study it all the time and we constantly go through the Chumash again and again and again. But it's with that understanding that we're dealing with something that is still infinite. Even after we study it, it transcends our mind. So why am I using that? I'm giving an example that even though Torah is an Arpanimi in general, even Torah Shebeksav is considered an internal light, but that's only compared to mitzvahs that is completely makiv. But within Torah itself, we can see that the Torah, Torah Shebeksav, the written Torah, is considered makiv, it's considered encompassing light compared to Torah Shebaal which is an internal light. And that's the idea that he's saying over here, that even though ma is also pnimi, it, which means internalized energies, it's only compared to what is outside of vessels completely. But in in comparison to the lights of Dan, Ma is considered Makif, as he says. Because the root of the name of 45, one can argue and say that the lights of Ma are really, why are we saying that it's essentially on a level of Makif? Because it really, where is it coming from? We all, for those are familiar a little bit with Kabbalistic writings, is that we have the, the the four worlds, and in the four worlds there are each one has ten sefirot. The highest of the worlds is the world of Atzilus, but higher than the world of Atzilus is Keter, and higher than Keter is called Adam Kadmon, which means primordial man. And since it's called man on some abstract, 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 infinitely abstract, abstract level, um, it's called man. So it has an image of man, and on a man it has a forehead. So the lights of Ma, according to the Zohar, emanate from the mitzvah, from the forehead of uh, Adam Kadma. Now what exactly that means, I have no clue, but the concept being, umetzach, why the forehead? Because the forehead is indicative of energy that is not yet. You see, you look at the face, what do you see? Most of the face, the rest of the face, is already expressive of something specific. The eyes expressing vision, the nose, smell, the mouth, taste, and 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 speech. Right. So there's there's the ears, but the, the this part of the head is still kind of like part of the skull. It's part of the undefinable energy, and that's why it's associated in terms of power. Which power of the person is associated with the, the forehead? The power of will and desire. And desire is still a primordial power in the sense that it's, again, the, 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 the real idea of will is that it's the soul itself. It's not any particular part of the soul or particular power of the soul. It's relating to, the, just like I discussed earlier, the very idea of just being alive. Will is a very general power. That's why will controls the entire body from head to toe equally. 
because it's an encompassing state. So the lights of Ma come from the primordial forehead of the level of Adam Kadmon, and because of that, that is in, that that's that's the idea of why it is still masculine, undefined, not settled in vessels, and that's the idea. And forehead is always called will. Like it says, it says by the Kohen, the high priest. Remember, we learned this year, we were studying the priestly garments. So we can understand that the garments, and we actually never got to this part. One day we should get back to it. When he speaks about the tzitz, which is on the metzach, the forehead, and it says over there, it will be on his forehead for goodwill. The fact that it's associating the forehead with will is you see that this is the place in the body that the concept of will most connects to. V'nikra b'zoyar And the Zohar refers to this very sublime level, not just as will, but the will of all wills. It's the concept, like I said earlier, it's like you have the desire you want to teach, but you don't even know what you're teaching yet. You don't even know uh, who your students are. You don't even know which grade you're going to be teaching. You just you just show up to be a teacher. It's the, it, it's the very primordial will. And that's this level. So on this level, it's not yet settled in vessels at all. I actually looked up all these all these places, and that's why I have even the tiniest little clue and try and giving some explanation over here because I sat here for two hours trying to crack open what he's talking about over here, but I don't I, I can't tell you exactly right now maybe just because I'm tired what he says in all these places. But some of them I was able to figure out the connection, and some of them I'm still puzzled. This I didn't look up in This is a parenthesis from the Tzemach Tzedek where he's adding a whole bunch of notes that when we read them and understand them, it would add clarification to a lot of what we're learning over here. From these two powers of Ma'anban, that is in the level of Mo'ach Giving you a list of about seven memorim, seven discourses to look up. A lot of what I discussed in my introduction was taken from these various different sources that I looked up over here, which he's telling us to go to. Okay, so now once we understand this concept that that feminine energy ma is lights that go into vessels. And masculine light, Ma, is still a primordial light that is not yet set in the vessels. He's going to explain how that relates to our physical world because our physical world is not yet, while we're in the process of fixing, so you don't have any vessels. So we're, we have special preview to this encompassing general light of God, which is God's will, which is why the mitzvahs, which are Hashem's will, are only in the physical world. There's no will of God in, in any of the... In, in the any of the spiritual spheres, there everything is already fixed, and they have only access, so to speak, to the to the feminine, the zivashchina, the right, the light of the bond, the light of the internal light. But they don't have that encompassing light, which is the will, which as we spoke earlier, which is associated with the forehead. That's only down here in the material world, and that concept is going to explain over here. And Hashem ban ubchenas nukva, ban is feminine. See, I I mentioned this the whole throughout the entire class today. But he didn't, in the actual discourse, he doesn't mention that it's feminine and masculine until this point. He says the name 52 is the feminine side of God. 
Shamar Lenukva. It's associated where it says by Shabbos, it says Zachar Vishamar. God spoke these two words. Remember the Shabbos and guard the Shabbos. So the Zohar says, remember the Shabbos as masculine and guard the Shabbos as feminine. So we know that in Shabbos itself, Friday night is the feminine Shabbos. Shabbos is called the queen. And Shabbos day is masculine Shabbos. So, and that's why on Shabbos morning, we say Zohar as Yom HaShabbos by Kiddush, related to the masculine side. The Zohar Leduchra, that's a, that's a male. And now he explains, Kimalchus, he's going to explain, now the name of 52 is associated with Torah Shabbat Peh. What did, I, what did we discuss earlier? What's Torah Shabbat Peh? Where all elements of Torah are specifically specified are detailed with utmost incredible detail and detail of detail. So that's Malchus, that's the Shekhinah, that's Torah Shabbat Peh, that's the oral law, Kininin law. And that basically tells you exactly how, in the most detailed way, what is fitting, where can God reside, where God cannot reside in. What's kosher, what's not kosher, what's right, all these things. That's called Malchus, and that's the name of 52. But the name of 45, that's the written Torah, the scripture. Over there is encompassed the masculine light of Torah Shabbat, which is which is still a level of generalization. And that's why I'm going to tell you another interesting. When you look in Torah Shabbat, you have a general idea of what God wants, but you have no specifications on details. You know Hashem wants us to rest on Shabbos, but if we only had Chumash, we had no clue how to keep Shabbos. To keep Shabbos, you need to have tractate Talmud, the Shabbos, and then you have to have all the halacha, all the detailed laws, as it's brought in Shulchan Aruch, and all the books and books and books that are written on the laws of Shabbos, down to the modern day world of how do you apply Shabbos to our modern world, all these detail and sub-detail and detail can only get when you learn the the oral law. When you're learning just Torah Shabbat Shabbat, you get a general gist that God likes Shabbos. That's about it. You get a general gist that God wants you to make some kind of a remembrance between your eyes, but you have no idea that it's black boxes and you have no idea exactly that they have to have leather straps and they have to be exactly like this and exactly like that. Because Ma is still, as we spoke about earlier, it's still the energy that's very general. It doesn't have, it's not detailed yet. Uh, but precisely because of that, it still can move things around as opposed to when things are already very specified. So that's why the power of Chachma is Bidiru. With the masculine power of Chachma, we can still do the Birur. Vahabirur, and, and, and when we do Birur, Hulasa is Ganeden. We are creating Ganeden. What does it mean we're creating Ganeden? We are expanding on it because whatever we are bringing into holiness that and setting it into a specific, what's Ganeden? Ganeden is when something is already refined and is already now ready for the divine revelation. That's the Ganeden. In the upper world, you have the Ganedens that are places where God is fully light. You have the Gehenom, which is the other side with places that are absent of the divine. And that's why it's horrific pain and suffering. And in our world is a mixture of Gan Eden and Gehenna together. And you decide what's, if 
And we all get to decide if we're making an Eden from our life or we're making a Hinnom. That's why when Yaakov came into Yitzchak and he smelled it and he took one sniff at, 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 at Jacob, he smelled the smell of Ganeden because Yaakov made Ganeden. And when Esav came in, he, he smelled Gehenna because Esav was living he, in his world. He made it a non-receptacle for God. If you're doing in your life things that God doesn't like, so then God is not going to be there. And that's Gehenna. Gehenna is the, is the absence. It's the fire of Gehenna. It's the absence of God. And the pain of realizing in a world where you're not deceived anymore, that there could be an existence. The, the burning pain of existing in a non-godly state is the Gehenna. And that, and that fire, we say it's 60 times hotter than any fire in this world. That's its meaning. So you get to decide in this world, what is Gan Eden? That means, and, but but here the, here's the beauty. In this world, as long as we're physically alive, we can take anything from the Gehenna place and put it into Gan Eden. Because again, Chachmas allows for the radical movement of things. In through through the Torah that is applicable in this world, we can draw down the Oren Tzayv. What's Gan Eden? Gan Eden is where things are already internalized. But in our world, we are taking the Oren Tzayv that's still Makif, and we're creating the vessels and the containers for it to come into in a Pnimi, for it to be able to internalize, to go from the masculine general state into the feminine vessels. And what is the main what is the main what is the main drawing down of the orient self? As we we draw down the lights of Chachma with the infinite in it, and we're and we are causing a purification, a separation that's happening down here. And what is the desired? What is the desired um, uh, state that we're trying to create? That God should dwell in something, and God only dwells in something when the thing is surrendered to it. So that's what the chachma purification is doing. That's what the sorting out is. Sort out what is resistant to be surrendered and what is willing to surrender itself into Hashem's will. So. And the main hamshacha, the main drawing down is to is to bring to a state of of bittel of of null of of nullification to God. Because the orin sof, the infinite, cannot dwell only on something that surrendered to him. Ma itself is complete bitl. Moshe says about himself, I am what? He has identity. And here's the thing, you can't affect bitl in someone else if you don't have bitl yourself. So the power of the Torah is bitl. The power of a Jew is bitl. And a Jew goes somewhere, he's imbuing bitl, nullification and surrender to God everywhere he goes. We place the fingerprints of bitl everywhere. And now he explains. Now, in that level of bittel, here's the interesting part that we discussed earlier when I gave the example of the blueberries. First, you choose the most, and then you go to a lower level. And it says, And in the beginning, 
First, it was a purification and what was accepted to become part of the world of Atsilos because it was willing to have such a deep, utter surrender and utter non-existence in the face of God's, of God's truth. Whatever was able to endure such a demanding level of nullification becomes part of that very, very high level of Atsilos. Because whatever cannot handle such an intense nullification, sham, whatever is not in the highest levels of bitl of, of atzilus, So the revelation of orin sof on the level that is revealed in the atzilus, whatever is not nullified, the orin sof of atzilus cannot shine on And therefore, it doesn't mean you're expelled for good. It's just that you go from class A, you go to class B. So whatever didn't make it into the, into, into the um, whatever didn't qualify to become integrated into Atsilus got pushed away, got ejected, and went down to become part of the next world, the world of Bria. And then the selecting light of, of Ma, that energy that does the sorting out, is now focusing its laser beams in the world of Bria and sorting out what has what could qualify for a lesser divine revelation, but on the level of Bria. It's a much lower level of divine revelation than in Atsilas. That means a member of the world of Atsilas is on a far higher level of of, of, of receptiveness of the divine than 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 a good standing member of Oilama Bria of the worlds of holiness of Bria. But the, and what it, whatever will be accepted in Bria is accepted in Bria. When it, the rest got pushed out and it fell, falls down into the next world and will line up again for purification and selection in the next world so that the process moves. And he says, gets pushed down to the world of Bria. Because on the, on the level of the world of Bria, in this world, it's passable. This is considered enough of a self-abnegation to God that it's it's passable. Shemalach and v'neshamais, because angels and souls live there. You see, in Atzilus, there's no angels or souls. Whatever is in Atzilus has melted into God completely. So either you are Him, or you don't exist, or you or you can't be there. In the world of Bria, tolerates. Beings, holy beings, angelic beings, and ashamas. And you can belong in holiness, but you have a little space to be. In the world of Atsilos, there's no beingness. If you're sucked into God, then you're him. And if not, then you don't belong there at all. Um, this is already a level of consciousness where there is already a state of creation. But they are also completely surrendered to God. Hagam, even though on terms of the qualifications of the world of Atsilus, which is the world of emanation, this is not considered a, a, a sufficient abnegation. For you to have such a revelation of God, like it is in the world of Atsilus, there is a higher standard of bittel, of nullification. Whatever didn't make it into Bri- into Bria gets further pushed down into the world of Yitzira. 
which is the world of formation. And again, it's sorted out on a much lower standard. And then there's the last selection. Whatever could be included into the whole, into the holy realm in the world of Asiya, which is the world of completion, which is the physical down here. Whatever doesn't pass even the basic, basic bittle test in this world, as we said earlier, gets ejected and falls below all worlds, which basically means that in our world, they can be make a lot of noise, believe me. They can be protesting and making noise and then making a lot of noise. Actors and this and that, big movers and shakers around here. But that's only as long as whatever. Once the deal is over, it doesn't, whatever it belongs to holiness is in. Whatever is not, I know it's out. And this is what the sages say. Whatever kneels in modim. Kriya ba'alma, even if it's just in, just knee, kneeling, the fact that you kneel down, you bend down, liyas kafuf, bipchinas hayda, as long as you're just admitting, a little admitting that there is a God, a little admission that there's a higher power, a little, give me something. Muhammad Azal, the sage is saying, mandaloi kara b'moidim, someone who can't even give you that, even to give the basic little bend, nas and nachash, they become a snake. One word that's stated other places is omitted over here. There it says that his spine becomes a snake, like I mentioned earlier. And is that this entity has already now been um, um, cast out to be part of the snake of the Klippa Lagamra. Over there, there's no more hope, there's no more selection anymore of good. And in Zohar, and in and in a different part of Zohar called Saba of Mishpatim, it adds even more than that. that okay, I say I'm hanging out in the snake world. Okay, at least I'm there. But we know at this level, God forbid, the person is not resurrected into the time of resurrection. Now, once he'd already discussed to how, how the process of purification happened during creation and sorted out all the higher realms and only the leftover materials ended up in our world and we apply the Torah and the mitzvahs through a harness this energy of ma to to complete complete this purification in this world choose ourselves and everything around us into this side or that side and then with this, we understand why souls that have left this world and they go into the higher spheres, over there you can't change anything. Because you can only change things around when you have this power laser beam light, which is this encompassing masculine energy. And that masculine energy only is, is only present in that world where the, the sorting is taking place. Once the sorting and selection is over, that energy leaves that world. It's not there. And they're left with just lights and vessels. Whatever can receive, receives. The light gets filtered down through all the levels. It's exhilarating. It's unbelievable. But you can't change things because you don't have access to that infinite, potent, masculine energy, which we only have in this world.
And that's what he explains here. That's why in the world to come, a person can't taste, I'm sorry, can't change their their condition. Whatever you whatever you identified with, whatever you've established yourself, whatever someone established himself in this world, the world to come is already the finished world. It's the world after things have already been selected. The name of 45 is done already. It's selection process over there and decided already each world what it is, each place, how much light can come in each thing has already been placed in its place. And what is the whole idea of, of the Ganeiden, as we discussed, to be in a good, in, in, is that the Makif lights are already settling in vessels. They're, they're, they're contracting like, and coming into vessels. So it's already set. Fartik, you can't move it. And that precisely its, its deficiency is its ultimate quality. What's the quality in the upper world? Over there, you can enjoy godliness because you're already a vessel and godly light is coming in. Over here, we're swimming and we are literally enveloped in the most potent of divine, but we don't enjoy it because it's too general, it's too high for us to for us to experience it. But precisely because of that, we can harness this incredible, infinite power and make such enormous changes down here. So each one has a, a there is a... Um, the pros and cons on each level. But there's something amazing about being alive in this world. Because here's where we can still still make it happen. Uh, over there, there's already a revelation to, uh, to a created mind. Over there, the good has already been separated. And it has already departed from the evil. Because whatever is bad has been pushed away. And when you come up into that world, they take one look at the person and you basically only have one path. You can only go to the chamber that you belong in. That's it. So there, there are sections. Section A, B, C, D, E, E. And wherever you are, that's the section you go to. So, and, and things have been separated on its own. And, and what happened with the evil? This is not too happy to, to whatever was impure, which got separated. Now, there are certain energies that were still mixed that fell into the next world, but certain things got separated and then they're just in that world, but in the dark side. So that is to become angels of violence. Thugs. So just like there's MS-13 down here, uh, right? Um, Thugs and gangs and so forth. There are certain sections in heaven where you have such angels tattooed from head to toe with skeletons and you don't want to end up in their company forever. That's right. <laughs> they're the, they're called angels of Malachi Chabala. They are not the nicest of fellows and they operate in a very violent way and they don't mind when some company comes in so that they, they can keep themselves busy. So you don't want to go there. That's the point. So you want to go to a place that's filled with godly light and God's grace. But you can't make that decision when you get there. That's the thing. Once you're there, they don't ask you anymore. It's already determined. Down here, as long as we're alive, we can still decide where we're, where we're heading. And it become, and all kinds of demons exist. In, that's what I'm saying. It's Malachi Chabola. It's, it's, it's violent angels and demons exist in those, in those realms. 
which isn't the case in our beautiful world down here. Over here is where things are still happening. Things are still being selected. And why are things being selected over here? Because number one, the selection has not been finished yet. And over here is where the powerful masculine light of Ma of 45 is accessible. It is available. The Torah and mitzvahs, it is available in Torah and mitzvahs. And you know, how do you access it through Torah study and through mitzvah observance? So you, a person can change themselves and to convert from bad to good. And we can decide right now, at this very moment, I will belong to the side of holiness. And that's it. Just that decision already picks you up from the dark side and puts you into the good side. Then it's about, once you made that decision, then it's about keeping it. Right? Because you want to, you don't want to end up back again on the other side. Um, now we go on to the next page. Now this, this power, that the, the ma energy is available over here to purify and to set and to do the purification in the name of 52. Nimshach Mepchines Ratzin Elyon is drawn when we said when we said earlier where does Ma come from from the forehead of Adam Kadma which is such a primordial primordial will and that's the supernal will called Raiva the Kolraiva the will of all wills. Valze Amru and on this the sages say Ain Tam Laratzin it's a level of will of God that is not based on reason because again reason is already lights and vessels. Now it's pure will, pure desire. And therefore it's utterly beyond all comprehension and understanding. And that's why regarding mitzvah observance, which is only possible in this world, particularly regarding animal sacrifices, which is what he's going to discuss. This whole discourse is really a discourse to explain the daily the daily sacrifice that happened daily in the temple. So by the way, I, I, I just want anybody listening over here to stop for one second. We all, everybody has opinions about animal sacrifices and stuff and like cruelty to animals. and blah, 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 blah. I respect that, all these very beautiful opinions. But when you study for three hours, you get an, a little bit of a glimpse of the awesome, unknown depth of what's behind all aspects of Torah. And what's like, what, what's really these powerful, infinite cosmic energies. And then God says, bring me a sheep in the morning and in the evening. You understand that it's not about slaughtering sheep. It's an awesome, it's a physical mitzvah that we did in the physical world. But it was... And it has endless depth, so we shouldn't make our decisions or make a state like, oh, I say, we shouldn't have animal sacrifice, we shouldn't do it. We realize that this is much bigger and infinitely bigger than our minds will ever, ever fathom. So we're awed by the fact that there is a mitzvah. Yeah, of course. You know, it's a good to have a sensitivity. And according to Torah, we're supposed to be sensitive to animal, God forbid, to animal cruelty. We're obligated. It's one of the seven Noahide laws, not just. But at the same time, uh, a, a commandment for a sacrifice is not a cruelty. It's not at all. 
and it's an elevation, and that's the biggest level of an elevation, and so on and so. Which is important to bear that in mind that when we when we study this, and that's why Hashem says, particularly by sacrifices, He says it's a satisfaction for me that my will has been done. Why is the emphasis my God doesn't say you're doing my agenda, you're fulfilling my ideas, you're living? God says my will has been done. Because what the most powerful element that we have in Torah and mitzvahs is precisely that it's the pure will. Will that infinitely transcends every reason, even divine reason. It's even higher than any kind. It's the pure will, which is will is pure revelation of soul itself. And in our case, who's the soul? God himself. So it's pure will before it begins to become. My will was done. The, the will of God is drawn into this world when we're doing a mitzvah. There's no grasp and there's no reason that we can, that anybody can ever grasp. And it's why is it called the nachas ruach? And ruach means wind. Because wind is avir is ear, which the word ear is or yud. It's a level that's higher than Chachma. Chachma is Yud. Or Yud, it's the light of Yud. It's before Chachma, before wisdom. And that's in general all mitzvot. That's pure will, the will of God. And especially the mitzvahs as they are still in the written Torah before they go into in scripture, before they get into, into the next stage, which is the oral law, where they become already, you know, they descend down more into vessels. But when you're engaging the mitzvah in Torah, Shabbat Shalom, that's the pure masculine, infinite, or simple will of God. But that's the redeeming light because it's a simple will. It's still pre this and pre that and pre this and pre that. And that's why you have that infinite capacity to, to, to completely metamorphosize anything into holiness. And that's why you see that in the written Torah, the idea that it's not understandable is very pronounced because the main thing in Torah is the actual words. The one thing you can do in the written Torah, as you can't say in other words, you can do that in, in all aspects of Torah, but you can't do that in Torah. In Torah, it has to be in these words. Exactly. You can't add one extra letter. one. So what do you see from there? If it's all about just the content, if it's just the information, what's the difference if I say it like this or if I say it like that? No, it has to be said in these words. The reason it has to be said in these words is because these letters, these words are containing within them Something beyond beyond any type of definite, definitive idea, the pure will of God. And it's manifesting, yes, only in these words. These words, this and not anything else. Because if it would be concepts and ideas, then you would emphasize what? An idea, a concept. So then you can say it in these words, say it in that words. The main thing is, the, that's what we find in Torah Shabbat the written in the oral law, you can have the same ideas st- stated in two in two writings. One person says it in one words, another person says it, and they're both Torah, legitimate Torah. You can't have different versions in in in, in scripture. 
It is, it is. A pasuk is a pasuk. Kedemusa and they have to be exactly with these words. Which isn't the case with the laws. Sorry. But to know, the, and, and therefore, it's still very vague. And that's why you can't even know the law like we discussed earlier. You can know the general concept of Shabbos, but you don't know any specific about 39 principal ways of work that you can't do Shabbos or the like. Or in Tefillin, God says, bond, bond it as a sign on your arm. What in the world does this mean? Until the sages came, and they explained, there are four scrolls that put into, into an animal hide, and they and and they showed you how it's derived from the verse. The word totafos is is the sage is broken into two words, tat bekasvi. In the katvi language, tat means two. And and then in another language, it, the other word means two totafos. And then together it comes four from there. So it's some divine code. Medalit batim, and then you have to have four four different compartments in the trillin. Tafnan, and then how, which type, and then you have to sew it. You look at filling; they're sewed, and you know that you can only sew them with an animal, um, with with the arteries of an animal, the veins, the kosher animal. Like all, it doesn't say anywhere in the verse. and exactly that they have to be exactly uh, square, and they should have whatever. The same is also the laws of a sukkah. Which we sit on sukkahs, kavaya chafam is these booths that we sit in. Right? If it's so tall, not kosher. You don't have any anything written in Torah Shabiksav. So here's the idea. In Torah Shabiksav, you have the will, but you don't have a grasp in the will. In Torah Shabalpeh is when it's coming into vessels. And then you can understand how the will has to be done. After Shashiru Chachamim Lahagbul call mitzvah mitzvah kadas they provided the vessels to to limit the commandment into specific ways, and then as I showed them as then the will of God can dwell in them. If if the mitzvah is not done in this specific way, Hashem cannot dwell in this mitzvah. Okay. This will now and then next week, as a Hashem, we're going to move into the next stage. And it's going to explain how we, this is really cool, how we are very much responsible for keeping that powerful energy of 45, of masculine light, present in the world and engaged so that we can finish this job. In other words, it's not just a fact that is here, and it just is a given. It requires an it requires us pulling God into it. How? Well, we called it masculine light and female light. So we have to create that romance. We have to create that interest in God. We have to fire him up, literally. We have to fire the masculine fire. It's going to go back to the concept we learned in the earlier Maimar Pasha Shalach, Eish Yud, Eish Hey. That there is a fire from God and a fire from below, and these fires have to match. So we have to create that spark for the for this masculine interest, even because on that level of will of wills, God is so removed and so high and so so dis, 
so naturally aloof and we can say, God forbid, uninterested or interested in whatever he's interested in. But to get him engaged down here requires a requires a an engagement, effort on our end. We have to chase him. We have to chase him down. When we chase him down, he's going to explain through this the daily sacrifice when he had a temple. And we don't have a temple, we can do it in prayer and in Torah study, in which we create that spark to keep that joining of these forces of Ma and Ban together. Or else, God forbid, you have a state of exile where a husband and a husband and wife are not really together. They separated. So that's the whole avod of how we keep this. All right, Mez Hashem. We shall continue learning another time. I, I don't know. I thought for some reason, I thought it's much longer. I'm literally, my eyes are shutting on me. Okay.